2: It's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films To Be Buried With. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a best boy, and I love film. As Jodie Picco once said, You don't love someone because they're perfect. You love them in spite of the fact that they're not. It's much like the film Bad Times at El Royale. It might not be perfect, but fuck me if it ain't a keeper. Know what I mean? Absolutely I do, Jodie Pickard. I love that film. Wildly underrated. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Kevin Smith, Jamila Jamil, and even Shed Blambles. But this week it's the brilliant comedian, actor, podcaster, writer, and creator, Mr. Pete Holmes. Get over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. It's a long one, this one. You get an extra 30 minutes with Pete where we go deep. We talk about beginnings and endings. You get a truly upsetting secret and the whole episode uncut and as a video. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. Ted Lasso Season 2 is all finished. It's all available now on Apple TV+. Plus. You can watch the whole thing in one go. Soulmate Season 1 is on Amazon Prime. You can watch that in one go. You can watch them both together, separately, one at a time, however we want to do it. Blow your fucking mind. So, Pete Holmes. Pete Holmes, if you don't know him, he is a comedian, a writer, an actor, a creator and a podcaster. He's got one of my favourite podcasts called You Made It Weird. I very much recommend it. I met him recently. I was so excited to get him on the podcast. We recorded this on Zoom a few days ago. He is a pure joy. I think I gave him a couple of standing ovations. You are going to love it. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 171 of Films To Be Buried With. And Welcome to Films To Be Buried With. It is me, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by a writer, a actor, a podcaster of one of my all-time favourite podcasts, a father, a husband, a stand-up comedian, a legend, a hero, a superstar, and a... God amongst men, please welcome to the show, the brilliant,
1: it's Mr. P. Holmes! Oh my goodness. Thank you kindly. Thank you. I just plugged in my headphones during that kind intro because I realized, for tech reasons, I'm so happy to be here. I'm a fan. I've listened oh, to the pod. Come on. I enjoy it. I told you off mic that everybody secretly wants to do it. This is the podcast that people play in their head when they're on the on the toilet. Or in the shower, and they're like, and then he says, What's the one that's given you a boner that it shouldn't have? And you're like, Well, Brett, so it's awesome to actually be here. This is my 2020. Well, Pete
2: Holmes, you know I'm a massive fan. I love your podcast. It's one of the few podcasts that I listen to on the reg. Ooh. Uh, and uh, I think the reason people want to do my podcast is because it's one of the few podcasts you can do where you don't have to talk about what you're working on at the moment. So, what are you working on at the moment? <laughs>
1: I love that. <laughs> I love it. But you do have something. You do have. Yes. Tell us the big news. I do. Oh, you don't actually want to. The bit is that you don't want to know that you don't. That I'm oh, no, not. No, I supp- do. I actually do. I I actually was. It was half a
2: joke and half setting you up to to, plug, to talk about the big big to exciting plug. Video.
1: Well, I am doing. I'm about to do a multicam, which you said, which really made me happy. You said when a multicam is done right, you went look out, which made me really happy. <laughs> Which made me happy. Yeah. Uh, So I am about to start that, which is exciting for a lot of reasons. But maybe towards the top is like being with people, acting with people, being on a set with like camera operators and sound people and script supervisors. Like it just sounds like heaven to me. When I was doing uh, the other shows I've done, you do them long enough, you really do start taking it for granted. And now after this time away, I'm like... I'm going to be amongst humans. Sometimes yeah. I like to think about how many hearts are beating in the room. And I'm just like, look at all the hearts oh, beating wow. in this room. How many eyes are, are kind of floating around, taking in what they can take in. And I was like, we're here together. And I'm I'm super excited oh, yeah. to try to be funny and have fun. And uh, when you're just acting, see, so you're a writer and yeah. an actor. But when you're just acting, I find it's much easier to just be like kind and and sort of zen, <laughs> and like sort of float around and be like, well, it's not my decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you have to go like, wow, we have to beat this joke, or write this new scene, or like, oh, they're saying we need to change this. I just get to show up, stand where they tell me to stand, say what they tell me to say, and be a nice person. And I'm excited about that. Wow. Well, that's interesting, actually,
2: because you have uh, been doing a lot of writing out in your own stuff. Do you not think you'll be tempted to have a writer, write a stand-up brain, particularly with a live audience, with a mic on... If something, I'm assuming and hoping these writers are all excellent, but if anything kind of doesn't quite land, are you going to be like, oh, as your stand up brain I'm going to kick in and go on top
1: of this? I think it will. But you know what was um, humbling when we did the pilot is I was like, mm-hmm. well, I, I'm, you know, the show's called Smallwood. I'm Tom Smallwood. I'm like, look at me. I'm Tom Smallwood. I'm walking around. <laughs> so we'd do three, four takes of a scene and then I'd be like, I got one. I got one. I got an alt. I'm going to try something different on this take. And I would do it, and it wouldn't work. How not funny does it have to be? You're the the lead character. They've already seen three takes of the way it was written, and now you're changing it up. It should get a laugh just based on the novelty alone, and no one was laughing. And I was like, well, it's time to eat some shit and uh, take my humble (laughs) pill for the day. But uh, we Um, also didn't have like... that's why they call me Smallwood. (laughs) Yeah, actually. <laughs> i actually thought when i opened it it was going to be about a guy with a tiny tiny wiener and it is but no one's going to know that <laughs> that's just your backstory <laughs> it's more of a front story a lower uh, to the front what i'm saying is i have a, oh, te- a teeny weenie
2: oh congratulations <laughs> listen uh i think from what I hear, people with teeny weenies just work harder and, and they're much more creative because <laughs> they
1: gotta, they got to make up for stuff. So that's cool. Like The Great Pumpkin. Being number two, perhaps you try harder. I watch so many kids' things with my daughter, so the references oh, okay. are going to be a lot of Charlie Brown, Peanuts movie, not bad, might make my list today. You
2: put me in a real um, uh, yes and quandary there because I was like, I don't quite know what The Great Pumpkin is, but there's no way uh, I don't want to yes and it. Yeah, well. But here we are. I won't do it again don't ever do a reference I don't know again, (laughs) or you are off the pod.
1: That was my favorite, can I say, it's a plug of you, when you did my podcast, I'll never forget it. There literally are moments on my podcast of agreement, of improvisation, of just two people melding that take my breath away. It's one of my favorite things, especially when you don't know each other. And the moment Mm -hmm. on your episode is when I said, I called someone a bell end. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite British insults. And I'm like, and you, Bell, ended it like you, yes, and but yeah. Bell, and, and and when you knew what I meant when I said thank you for the Bell, and, I was like friends, friends. <laughs> I was like that's <laughs> all it takes. I
2: just need some we, good. We t- took each other, took each other's shoulders, looked into the eyes, and went friends.
1: That's right, friends. Did we just become best friends?
2: <laughs> yeah, it was one <laughs> of those. It was one of those. Quick, serious question though, if I may, about the multicam because mm-hmm. I have a, a thing that I. Uh, Honestly, I'm so fascinated by them. I've I've worked on I've worked on one in England, and I do I genuinely think you know they're easy to dismiss when they're average or bad, but when they're good, you think Cheers, everybody loves Raymond. Like these are some of the greatest shows ever. And the writing, the way multicams have to be is they have to be banger after banger. Every line has to be a fucking banger in a way that most sitcoms at a single cam you can get away with less big fucking jokes. However, the thing that interests me, and it's early days and you haven't done it yet, is how they treat the actual audience in the room. Because that's a real, I think Everybody Loves Roman was the best at the way the actors reacted to the studio audience mm. felt brilliant because they the studio audience... 'Cause sometimes you watch things where the studio audience are too excited mm-hmm. for how you feel at home watching it and so it feels weird. It's like a disconnect. You're like, Why are they laughing so much? It's not that fucking good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. It, and it, it actually. It's makes almost you angry.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're left out.
2: Whereas and there are things like there are some sitcoms that I won't name, but there are like some good sitcoms, but where it, it almost feels like they ignore the audience. The studio one ones laugh and it's almost an annoyance to them. It's like, yeah, we're just ignoring it and we're getting on with the thing and there's laughter in the background. Mm -hmm. But in Everybody Loves Raymond, in particular, I think they were the best at this, they would like sit in the laughs. They'd get a big laugh and there'd be a little... And it was very subtle, but there was like a twinkle in the eye. Some acknowledgement from the actors like, this bit is killing. And they would sit in it and it would spread to you at home because... It was real. It was like a live connection was going on rather than two separate things, an audience and the show. It was like melding them. And then you felt part of it at home. Mm -hmm. Thoughts, Pete Holmes?
1: It's like when uh, the Lovers sketch with Will Ferrell and Rachel Dratch and Jimmy Mm -hmm. Fallon is in the the hot tub as well. And he's breaking. And I remember there was Mm -hmm. a time when people were, it was called the 90s, I think. People were just so mad at Jimmy Fallon for laughing. Yeah. But those are the ones that I remember because I felt like I was in on something just a little bit wicked, just a little bit alive, electric, like something was happening that is funny. And I'm not turning on SNL to watch someone do something perfectly. And I'm not watching a multicam to have them pretend like there isn't an audience there. And that is something very interesting about, I think, the human animal is that works like you can be at home. You're not there. It's actually what makes films so amazing. You're not there, but you're transported. Val and I went and saw Cruella. It was the first movie we saw after the pandemic, after we were allowed to. It's, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not being dismissive of Cruella. I thought it was a really good movie, great movie. It was great. And it and it was what, what was out. So we went and saw kind of like a kid's movie, <laughs> even though we're two parents kind of desperately wanting a break from kid's movies. But it ended up being really great. I, I really loved it. And it's great. there's something about cinema, don't get me started, but sitting in the dark <laughs> is a small ego death. You disappear. You, you're in the dark. You yes. can't even see yourself. You're gone. It's like a drug experience yes. or a vision. Let's say vision to not exclude people or a dream. So you vanish. Not only do you vanish into the dark, you vanish into the audience. There's anonymity in the numbers that you're now a group called an audience watching a movie and then that audience vanishes and and the lights dimming is sign, kind of like a cue to your, your lizard brain to be like okay shut the fuck up you're now going to have these people's thoughts we were talking about like when I go to music concerts I don't go to a lot as evidenced by the fact that I call them music concerts <laughs> that's an old <laughs> joke of mine but it's true I, I don't need to be sitting there with my own brain for two hours, especially if it's not, if it's Beyonce, that's a spectacle and you're like really into it. But if it's just like a band and they're playing nice music, I'm, I'm too up here. I love cinema grabs you and goes, you're now this person and someone's chasing yeah. you. Oh no, and you're in love with two people. Who are you gonna pick? And at the end, The lights come up and it's like coming out of a vision or a a drug experience and you go back into your body. And I'm reverent when I leave a movie. I do not start talking about what I think about until we're home. I hate the people that start going like, it wasn't as good as Ultimatum, (laughs) but it was better than Greengrass's work with Damon in the non-born series. You know, I don't. (laughs) You're supposed to shut the fuck up. You just came back from a, from a psychedelic experience. Have some reverence. Even if you think you didn't like it, maybe you weren't supposed to like it. Good example. Um, Schenectady, New York. You're not supposed to like it. It's, you're supposed to feel the monotony and the drag and and the craving of the ending of the movie in the same way that the character is craving death. He wants to die, and 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 they're making you feel that. So don't go like, I didn't like it. Where was Optimus Prime? Shut the fuck up and like feel maybe something uncomfortable or or, or inconvenient. So I also this is the other theory I want to put to you. It looks like I've I've loaded you good. The camera lens is a dilated pupil. It's an open eye. So if you've ever been in a meditative state or in love, You know, when you're, when you're aroused, I don't mean sexually aroused, when you're, when your nervous system is aroused, your eyes, your pupils dilate and you take in so much more. You take in so much more light, so much more detail. That's what a camera lens is. And then we blow up that image huge and let your lenses scan a perfect lens shot and pick what to focus on. It is a transcendent experience. I didn't plan on saying any of this, but that's why I love the movies. You, you have like a vision. Pete Holmes, uh, the last uh, two
2: minutes of watching you on the screen is now my answer to Troubling Bonus. (laughs) That was... (laughs) Yes, yes. That was... I mean, I I have to... I mean, that was... (laughs) That was so wonderful. Roll away. And you're so... Right. On all of it. Right. It's a really, really, really beautifully put. And it is entirely what you have said is entirely why I always argue against people watching films at home. When people go, oh, I can watch it at home. And you go, but you don't get that. You don't get the ego death. You don't yeah. get the, the, and you don't get lost. It's, to, it's about losing yourself. Yeah. It's very hard to lose yourself at home. Even if you've got a good sound system and you can turn your lights down, you're still at home. You, you've got your phones, you've got your kids, you've got your whatever. I agree is you have to surrender to it it's hard to surrender
1: at home you get stirred into it you it's like at the end the trance is broken and you realize oh i'm not jason bourne or i'm not whoever it might have been i'm not meryl streep's character or whatever it is and we went and we watched cruella again at home Mm -hmm. and i when we saw it The soundtrack is incredible, and when you see it in a movie theater, it's blasting the Rolling Stones. It's blasting the Rolling Stones, and you're just like, like, try to not like the Rolling Stones when they're that loud. And then at home, on our little TV with the curtains open, not even dark, it was fine. I could see how someone would watch that movie and be like, it was fine, but I... Remember that Mission Impossible where Tom Cruise has to jump into a a whirlpool of water and he has to go right into the middle of it and hold his breath for three minutes? That's what going to the movies is, is you have to jump into that hole. And that's why it's so offensive when someone is scrolling through old texts that happened to me in a movie or answering their phone or whatever, is because like a comedy show, you are resisting the communal mind you're you are now not the audience you are steve and steve is answering his phone right now and you're breaking a trance for a lot of people that need it human beings need escape and we'll get when we get to my answers the movies that i watch over and over are the ways that i process i just had like a weird dinner and i knew the movies Mm -hmm. i had to watch to help me process and get perspective on these strange feelings so it's therapy it's it's learning that you're not alone you know when you see a movie and you just have to go for a drive afterwards because you're just like just brought you into the moment and it brought you into life and it reminded you of the infinite possibilities that you can move in any direction that you can fall in love that you can get angry that you can see something you never thought you'd see and you just have to drive that was me goodwill hunting 1997 we're just like let's go for a drive that's the magic and that's why it's offensive when someone's eating their popcorn too loudly (laughs) Pete
2: if I ever if I ever die I might leave you the podcast in the will and you could take it over (laughs) I love it here's the thing the the other thing you're talking about you you, you mentioned a lot like big films you talk about Born Out of May you talk about Mission Impossible Cruella and stuff but I also like I get super mad with people when they're like oh yeah yeah that's a film you can watch at home it's like, there is no film you can watch at home. And I, I'm going to probably keep talking about this film every week on this podcast. I saw Mass the other day. Mass. Mass have you yeah. seen it? I haven't,
1: but someone told me they saw and they wept. I
2: yeah. Guess. It's four, pe- it's, it's essentially four people in a room for most of the film. And it's the sort of film you, some people could say, well, it's like a play. And some people would say, we well, could just watch it at home. It's just people talking. It is a fucking cinematic experience and it is so intense and it is so. It's a masterpiece from every angle, writing, acting, mm. directing everything oh, and man. there's no way you have to surrender to it you have it's it's as intense, more intense than a fucking born film like you're mm. you're it's you know I, I i was holding my breath the whole time it was mm. like this is this is as much cinema as Tom Cruise jumping in a waterfall.
1: I feel the same way about Frost Nixon, which if you rewatch yes. Frost Nixon after the Trump presidency it gives you a whole new perspective on it because I wasn't there for the, for Nixon, but you're like, imagine if James Corden interviewed Donald Trump, yeah, and we were yeah. like, oh! but it is just a play. It is a play made <laughs> into a film, but it has the same stakes, but that's, you know, that's what theater is. Theater is like, they're there. If someone's going to be yeah. or not to be, and they're feeling it, and you're in the room, there's tension. And that yanks out, the, the stakes, like it makes you invested in it. And that's what the movies are doing in the theater setting. There is even like an unspoken frequency that I think good audiences are, are trying to transmit where it's like, we're gonna we're gonna do this good, right? I need this. Like I need this. Yeah. So it's it's how ha- that's why the commercials at the beginning mm-hmm. aren't the right feel. It it should be all movie related. It should be movie it trivia, be movie it, or triv- it should be quiet, yeah. or it should be just looking at the curtain and and you're just like, what's yeah. it gonna be behind that curtain? I don't want someone to be like, what's up, Fast Pass? If you want to see more <laughs> exclusive action only for you, <laughs> sign up and scan this QRC code now. And I'm just like, fuck <laughs> you. Or they. Should show me we just saw the new james bond and they were showing scenes from the movie we were about to see
2: oh yeah that's insane
1: to promote
2: that's the
1: app or something the video game or something and i was like then we're watching the movie and i'm like why is this familiar and i'm like it's because we had the decency to show up 10 minutes early and you're punishing me nobody needs (laughs) that get the fuck out of here (laughs)
2: Um, one thing I, I, I just to go back to where this all started, just because I don't know if there is an answer to it. I'm just curious. On Littlewood, have small, you Smallwood Smallwood? Have you the execs, the people making it, have had a discussion at all about how you're going to be treating the audience, or do you
1: think it's something you will just find when you make it? Well, I think it remains to be seen if there's going to okay. be an audience because of, of Oh of, shit, of, of Coco. There might be a small audience. Uh, oh shit. So my dream would be to do it for a live audience. I had some friends mm. I had some friends that wrote on Friends and they were telling me about how much fun the actors would have exactly what you're saying, yeah. playing to it. And I had a little guest uh, role on Mulaney, so that was a multicam that I got to act in. And it was so fun being a stand up and knowing mm. See, stand up is is not just the audience listening to the comedian. That That's not a very compelling art form. It's actually both. The audience is listening to the comedian. And a good comedian, not all of them, but a good comedian is so, I'm going to be weird and say, like a lover, is listening to the audience. You're agreeing, aren't Undy you? Hundy pee. Hundy pee. Hundy pee. And we don't mean pence, because we mean a 100%. <laughs> be, and, we mean 100%.
2: And, so
1: you leave with the material, but you also leave with the sensation of someone was so tuned into you that if you made a certain kind of silence, they knew what you meant. And everyone leaves mutually beneficial. Like we all were seen and heard today. Um so when I did Melania I remember like exactly what you're saying, trying to manufacture that twinkle in the eye, that sort of like just slight upturned smile mm-hmm. like I know you like this, or I know you would do this. You're such a, you're such a cad, uh, doing something, (laughs) doing something. I'm just kidding. Doing something that you know, isn't going to make it like, isn't going to make it on the show. I love those because it's about a tone. If you just film a show, who fucking cares? But if, if there's a happening occurring, that's, that's really special.
2: Yeah, that's the thing that makes life, and you did it very well in uh, HBO's crashes. the <laughs> capturing capturing light. It's so hard to capture live, and the feeling of being there is very hard. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> I've forgotten to tell you something, I've just realised. What? Oh, fuck, Pete, I'm so sorry. No. I know you had this big gig happening. I should have told you this. No, I actually, probably should have just sent you an email or something. And it, do you know what? I should have been brave and said this earlier, just face to face. I should have called you, maybe FaceTime. I don't like where this is going. This. No, no. Well, no. And I know you're. Oh, you've got so much. You had so much. I'll just say it. <laughs> what is it? Oh God, I feel sick. Just tell, me, sick what,
1: just, saying just tell it. me. Just tell me what it is. <laughs> it's okay.
2: You, is it okay? You've died. You're dead.
1: That's, dead. Dead.
2: You're dead. That's not okay. You're dead. I'm dead. 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 I don't... How did you die? What, you don't want
1: that? I it's too late? If I... But I... I know. What, I, yeah. what if there is an afterlife and you're like, but I was watching Succession. <laughs> How did I die? I was in a, uh, a motel, a seedy motel. And I heard some. Love this I heard some stray cats in the wall. Like I said, it was a seedy motel, oh. and there was a hole in the wall, seedy. Mm-hmm. And I tried to put my arms in to rescue the cats. They mm-hmm. needed help, but I couldn't get in enough. So I I took my shirt off. And I put lotion all over my body, and I tried to get in, but I still, <laughs> but I still couldn't get in enough. So I took my I took my pants off, and I covered myself yeah. in lotion all over mm-hmm. my my family, my crown jewels, and I'm all over, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to wedge in to save the cats. But again, I can't. Now I'm worried I'll go too far in. So I I put like little clamps on my nipples, and I tie the nipple clamps to the lamp in the ho- stay with me to the hotel room and then yeah. uh, so I'm going in and I start kind of rubbing and I have the nipple clamps and I'm trying to get the cats and, and the friction gives me a boner and then I go on the bed and I die and I because <laughs> I have an aneurysm and when I die I jizz and then when they find me <laughs> it looks like I was just having a wank <laughs> but I'm, well, tell- yeah. I'm telling you I was was trying to say I'm so glad you asked because I need I've needed to clear this I've needed to clear this (laughs) I was trying to rescue cats not not masturbate in a motel that looks like it was designed for masturbating it is it's annoying how often this death comes up on this podcast (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) the old the old looks like I went to death death oh Um, my
1: god Wait, for, is the? It looks like I wanked to death. Is a real one? Oh no, I'm joking. That I'm joking. would this be so funny if everyone so funny. was like, "I'm afraid that it's gonna <laughs> look like I wanked." You're the first. I'm the first. You are the first. Wow, I'm honored. I, I'm when I'm filing
2: that police report. I'm just going to struggle with the nipple clamps explaining that I I don't quite get what the thinking was to save the cats.
1: Well, I didn't want I didn't want to I didn't want to get sucked into the cat hole. What if it was right, an right. alternate dimension and I was like I'm using my hands, I'm using yeah. my knees and my feet. I need something and I go earlobes too risky. Nips. You know what? It was a heroic death. Thank you what that's you what you're saying. Well the cats died. The cats died. Oh yeah. <laughs> They but, found... it, but you tried. <laughs> the cats are, they're all dead.
2: They're all dead and you're dead. So what it looks like is that you wanked yourself to death. Killed some cats. Looking at dead cats. That's it. That
1: that was your, that yes. was your kink. I can only do it if there are dead cats. <laughs> oh no! Nope. We've done it! We've it's... made it the worst answer! <laughs> it's quite could... the legacy
2: you're leaving. It's could possibly be. Um,
1: uh, do you do you worry about death, Pete Holmes? Uh, no, I think about death a lot. Um, it's part of my, oh, God, my spiritual practice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is. There's a great um, Ram Dass quote. He's like, when you accept, there's a, okay, I'll start actually with the Tao Te Ching. The Tao Te Ching says, he who finds, or she who finds their way in the morning can gladly go in the evening. That's one of my favorite uh, little stanzas in the Tao De Ching. And I, th- I find that to be one of the meanings of life is to prepare for death. So I-, I don't want to go like, like the science project and go like, that was due today! <laughs> like, I would like to be like, oh, right, we've given this its due There's another great Chinese proverb that says, death and love are the two great gifts most people leave unopened. Meaning it's not an error. It's part of what imbues the whole thing with meaning. And it's a clue to kind of how it works, impermanence, um, learning to let things go, learning to... We say on my podcast all the time, would ice cream taste good if you knew you lived forever? Um, I don't think so. I actually think you're eating ice cream and you're kind of like... I'm going to die, and I'm eating ice cream right now. This is fucking awesome. But if you were just kind of floating in the ether, orgasms whenever you want, ice cream whenever you want, whatever whenever you want, um, I think you would create this. And you know what's good evidence for that? That this exists. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like an interesting way to think of God as something that could do whatever it wanted. Alan Watts says, if you could have an orgasm, that just keeps getting better and better and better. How many years would you do that for? How many thousands of years? And then he goes, how long would you do it before you make a button that says something happens? And that just changed my life. When I heard him say that I was like, we want some degree of not being in control. We want to have mystery to grapple with. We want to have loss to grapple with. Um, So yeah, I think about it a lot. And because of, and we don't have to get into this, but because of certain psychedelic experiences, my death anxiety has shrunk to the, the size of a pebble. And I, I would say it used to be sort of a Mount Rushmore, sort of like, oh no. Wow. Yeah. So you you
2: were masturbating nonstop, relentlessly. And then Alan Watts said, at some point, there <laughs> button will appear that says something happened, and you stopped. <laughs> you went, oh, I should get on with things, actually
1: i'm glad that's what you took from it i'm glad that's, that's what really you got <laughs> oh
2: my it's just god not relentlessly masturbating because there are there's ice cream to get to oh my but god what? what no but no but come on no. seriously Bell-in. no no, no. Right. stop it can you tell me when you say all the psychedelic stuff you don't have to go into all of them but as in have you done stuff that's made you think you've seen the other side or anything like that
1: yes and and well to summarize, I think I can summarize it quickly because we all just want to. We want to get to the films. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that's why. You are fun. <laughs> the summary is, and you can, you can. I hope you keep this. I'll say the short one first, and then the slightly longer one. Is you, people are afraid of the void, right? If I could tell you something that I have experiential understanding is true. I mean, I can still hear my brain going like that might not be true, but something deeper has occurred. Something has transformed. I really know this in my bones to be true is you are the void. So there's nothing, there's no blackness coming to get you. That isn't you, that isn't the all and the everything. And that when you die, it's like being a spoonful of sugar and you're stirred into a glass of iced tea and brett is is gone, but Brett is also there because everything that ever was, is or ever would be is all there at once, and time is stopped. A good metaphor for that would be heaven, oh, there are my dead relatives, but it 's really much crazier and wilder than that, and there 's nothing to be afraid of because it 's you that's that 's really if i if you were dying today, I would say, Brett, trust yourself because your consciousness what science and you and I would call consciousness. That is your truest, deepest self, and that consciousness is divine. So you aren't going anywhere. What isn't God is being stripped away, and what is God remains. And that is a fucking, you could call that the good news. That's like fucking good news. And when you worry about the world, I go, like, I have a bit about this. I go, like, it'll be okay. And I go, I don't mean us, I don't mean humanity. Like, we could be like dinosaurs. I mean, who you really are is life itself. You are life itself. Life itself is looking out your eyes, beating your heart, filling your lungs, and it walks around and pretends that it's bread. Oi, I'm on a show called Ted Lasso, And you go around. That's all just play. That's what my daughter's name means. Leela means the play of the universe. And the good news is you are something eternal, and that is consciousness itself. And when you die... Like a lobster, you're pulled out of its shell. Bread is left behind, the red pinchy part. But the meat goes up and in and out and stirred. And bad news is, like this show, you are gone. Good news is, you are, and always have been, everything. (laughs) And if that sounds woo-woo, I could point to the Old Testament. I could point Mm. to Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, and the New Testament uh, and back that up. I love it. It's nearly made me cry. Well, that's great because that means, that means you heard me. It's like really good stuff. Oh, I did hear
2: you. It is really good stuff.
1: You ended on you are everything,
2: but you are you started on you are the void, and that hit me hard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that hit that's, me hard. That's, that's one of my mantras. I, I would recommend meditating and say I am the void. I am the void. You are what you're afraid of, and that's absurd. It's afraid. You're afraid of yourself. You can trust yourself it's you it's you it's you it's great it's great news so that
2: is it who is that guy the philosopher is it philosopher you stare into the void and at some point the void stares back
1: yeah i've 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 heard that too i can't recall who said it
2: but that is like so you're just saying yeah that's looking in the mirror exactly he's looking in the mirror well
1: it's basically the idea that nothing doesn't exist that's a good one nothing doesn't exist like there is no nothing and like i have a joke it never really works that well but i go you know some of my atheist friends think you die and you just become nothing and I'm go I'm like in Buddhism that's called wishful thinking that means liberation that means you go into the nothing the big nothing the no thing you are not an object you are what other traditions would call god you become no thing you become beyond objectness beyond thingness that is that is and and atheists are just like no by not believing I'll just get bad they're like no you have to like Go around and around and around until you realize that that's what you've always been, or whatever. You, or however you want to paraphrase it. But when the other bit that I do is we're all stuck with the Big Bang. I say thanks for nothing, uh, meaning it's just like an explosion and everything is here. And when you picture it in a film way, it's like darkness, and then something explodes. But it's not darkness. It's nothing. It's nothing. You can't even picture nothing. Like, yeah. you can't film it. It's nothing. It It is nothingness. And then for some reason, that nothingness erupts into everything. So even if you're... And most of my friends, and I love them dearly, are atheists and agnostic, and I love them dearly. I'm not trying to change anyone's mind. I'm saying we're all on the same page, basically. You have nothing erupting into everything. I anthropomorphize that nothing energy into something that we call God, a metaphor for a mystery. A mystery, something we don't understand, something we can't understand. So I call it God, you call it nothing. What's the fucking difference? Either way, you have nothing erupting into everything, or you have God erupting into everything. You have something science can't prove, touch, taste, photograph... We have no evidence of nothing, or something you can't see, touch, taste, photograph. We have no evidence of God. We're all on the same side. No one knows what the fuck is going on here. That's why my shit is get in touch with the God in you. Get quiet, get still, and recognize that there's something, there's isness in you. You are the experience of isness. You are isness. It is passing through you. It's how you're hearing me right now well that's that's your consciousness it's it's hearing it's absorbing it's coming into you that is your deepest dna and that will always be fine bad news you'll go i I, and by the way i understand i haven't died so i don't know but i did have an experience a very very convincing experience where i was like don't worry you're a lobster (laughs) well i got news buddy
2: you are dead you are gone (laughs) but you are everything and also the void and you are in heaven you know what heaven is nothing heaven is nothing (laughs) it is everything and it is a void (laughs) you you, yeah and you uh you are sugar in some green tea some green tea you didn't expect that yeah i didn't and it's not ice it's hot it's hot in heaven surprise It's ah, not green tea. A little ah, bit of caffeine, not too much. It's not going to freak you out. It's just ah, to wake you up. Yes. About uh, you 35 heaven, milligrams. Heaven. No thing. <laughs> just a little little sprinkling of caffeine. Just a little like, oh, because you're a bit jet lagged. You've just got there. What? Yes. what is this place? Yes. And it's filled with your favorite thing. What's your favorite thing? In the world?
1: hmm Well, it's cheesy, but my wife and daughter. Your
2: wife and daughter are there. But here's the thing. There's it's- shit of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's wall to wall. your wife and daughter. It's like they've been cloned. It's it's nice and simultaneously a bit scary, like 300 leelas run at you. And they're like, daddy, as one. And they like, like, sort of cover you. Like and the, then Val's like, yeah. Pete. And it's just like a mountain Tidal of Val. Uh, okay, and you we, go.
1: <laughs> My favorite other thing, angel food cake? Very on the nose. I like angel food cake well
2: the, the the furniture is made of angel food cake. Oh, okay and so you can sit, you can eat it you can just sit on it you can sleep and it's comfortable it's a yes, good, yes. good texture yes uh, but also if you're bored in bed you can just start eating in <laughs> your bed <laughs> it's great it's no thing and it's great and it's everything Anyway, when you're there, everyone that's there that is mostly clones of uh, Val and Leela, uh, <laughs> they are so excited you're there. But they mm-hmm. want to talk to you about your life. They want to talk to you about your life through film. Because yeah. you know what they're like. Leela and Val are completely upset. Leela in particular always talking about film. You're like, shut <laughs> up, Leela. There are other things. Anyway, so they want to know about film. They go, what's the first film that you remember seeing, Pete Holmes?
1: Can I share that on the document that you sent out, it says EG... So, for example, E.T. Yeah. Do you have to use a movie that's also two letters? I'm like, what's E.G.E.T.? Yeah. Is this a DNA code? E-G-E-T- yeah. E.G.E.T.A. I- E-T-A. <laughs> A.S.A.P. <laughs> P.I.V. I'm going to tell you the first film that I remember seeing in the theater. And it's 1991, which means right. I've definitely seen loads of movies. But the reason why this one stands out is because I was in Woburn, Massachusetts, Uh, And my dad and my brother and I were going to the movies. And like the movie, The Squid and the Whale, my family really was like two teams. It was my brother and my dad and me and my mom. So I was sort of with the other side. (laughs) (laughs) Like the the mama's kid is with dad and brother. So we're being men. And the choice of what movie to see came to me. Somehow it came to me. And I was like, we're going to see Drop Dead Fred. We're going to see it. Uh, I am putting down the hammer. We're going to see Drop Dead Fred. Because an imaginary friend who's like funny and, I think, British and and randy and wild, I was like, this is going to be great. And if they had enjoyed it, I would have enjoyed it. But they hated it. So their hate oozed onto me. And then I was filled (sighs) with the shame shame of making them watch this movie. Even my yeah. brother sold me out and didn't like Drop Dead Fred. You got to like Drop Dead Fred. He's looking up ladies' yeah. skirts and stuff. <laughs> he's, he's wild. He That's exactly what little kids want. But yeah. Is he it,
2: older or younger, your brother? He's two years
1: older than me, so...
2: That's horrible. I, there's nothing worse than sitting with someone who isn't enjoying the film. That's why I don't like taking anyone to the cinema. It's not worth the risk.
1: I've heard you it's say that not. on the pod. Yeah, You're like, just go alone. Horrific.
2: Yeah. Horrific experience. Because you also feel that shame is so weird. It is like a feeling like you made it, like you made this film. Yes. And it's not, you didn't make You didn't make that film, but you feel the shame of like, oh, I'm so sorry I put you through that.
1: Yes. Awful. That's absolutely right. I, I still remember the, my dad had his hand on his forehead like this (laughs) and dude without making it too much like my show he is a sexual imaginary friend like he is sort of like the id and like i was like i swear i don't like this stuff because he's like Ah, look at that bird's titties and i'm just i'm I'm going like i don't want to look at any bird's titties (laughs) <laughs> it was horrible. I would have preferred to see The Exorcist. And my dad, went, before that, here's another answer. He was watching Goodfellas in the living room, and I saw the knife scene w- with the mm-hmm. trunk, and I was like, "Yeah, I didn't make that face, and you make that face for Drop Dead Fred." I pretended to like Goodfellas for you.
2: <laughs> hey, you know what? Your dad was looking in the mirror, and he didn't like. He didn't like that you could see that he was looking at himself and he was drop dead Fred. Oh my God. That was a big big thing that was going on there. He felt if you can see him uh, relate to this film, you'll see him. So he has to pretend that he's horrible. You're showing a mirror to it. Yeah.
1: Can I say every time I would come in and my dad was watching the Sopranos, he would turn it off, not to keep me from seeing it, but to keep me from seeing him see it. I swear to you, I, we, I remember it vividly. Tony's looking at a, a, a stripper and eating like carrots or something. And my dad was like, oh, it's a, it, that's a sad life and like turned it off. And I was like, <laughs> "You, you're 42 minutes deep into an hour episode. You're going to turn it off because I walked in. My dad's still that way. He he saw George Carlin, and he goes, "It was great." The first thing he said was, "Fuck Oprah, fuck Lance Armstrong, and fuck somebody else." And then he he went, (laughs) went, "There's no need for that kind of language." (laughs) Like he remembered, (laughs) he remembered he was my dad. I was so I was I was probably twenty five at the time, and I was like, "Thank you, I'm glad we can relate." Yeah, that's funny. And then he was like, "You don't have to that filthy language." (laughs)
0: Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
1: Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series.
2: that scared you the most do you like being scared pete holmes
1: not really i don't
2: why is that is that because you're a big baby
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i don't it's just not for me this isn't my answer but i remember seeing the movie i walked out of the others when they were like, "There's a grandma and she has bad breath," I was like, "Bye!" I was so happy to walk out. I was just like, "Really?" It was like Mark Wahlberg a in good Three Kings. Film. I, I'm sure yeah. it is. Remember Mark Wahlberg in Three Kings when he gets released from the torture? He's so happy. Yes, and That's, he's
2: he's like, "Hi!" hi. Yeah. Yes,
1: I was that high because I didn't have to ever see that grandma. I still haven't. And then there's the one where the people <laughs> knock on the door. It's Liv Tyler. is The Strangers. The Strangers. And I watched all of The Strangers and I'm like, I wish I hadn't seen that. Anytime mm-hmm. I'm home alone or in the woods. The woods. One of never God's woods. beautiful gifts. The woods. The little cabin in the woods.
2: Never in a film.
1: Not anymore. Not anymore.
2: Never in a film.
1: You, did, did you
2: watched it too? No, I'm saying woods are never good in a film.
1: No. They're no. never good. No. I, the one that scared me the most is embarrassing, because you'll never have gotten this. I promise. I have the hiccups. The fourth kind. And I'm going to tell you why the fourth kind alien scared film. me. Yeah, alien, alien film. Yeah, alien
2: film. Alien film from about 10 years ago. I think or
1: it nice. was more than 10 years ago, because I was hey. in New York. Well, wait. Yep. It was, more, it was probably 15 years ago. So I was old enough to know better. But as I've already said, I don't really <laughs> see a lot of horror movies. And the conceit of the fourth kind is, and I don't mind ruining it because you can, It's. I don't think it's like a good, I don't know. I don't think it's like, I never hear anyone talking about the fourth kind. Let's put it that yes. way. The fourth kind tells you that it's real. It's telling you this is found footage. It's using like body cams. It's using security footage. It's using like cruiser footage and it's shot in a way that you'd think it was a documentary and there's reenactments but like most of it is like VHS footage and I'm embarrassed it worked I thought it was real because Brett at that age I was like they can't lie they can't lie to us. <laughs> oh, right. It opens with Mira Sorvino. Is that her name? And she's like, yeah. hi, I'm actress Mira Sorvino. Like talking down the lens, yeah, well. going like, this is not a movie. This is real. <laughs> she's telling you. And I'm sitting there yeah. going, it is. Mira Sorvino said it's real. <laughs> and the premise of the movie is not only are you going to be abducted, and it shows that. You probably already have been abducted dozens of times and you don't remember. That's what the fourth kind is. The fourth kind is an abduction. So I was, I had a roommate, but I was like, you know, sleeping alone. And every night after that movie, I was thinking like these weird Sumerian speaking aliens were going to come in and take me. And then someone told me it was fake and they made fun of me mercilessly, but I didn't even care. It was like five comedians were ripping into me for being a huge idiot. And all I was thinking, I mean, they were being really vicious. And I was smiling ear to ear because I was like, thank God that wasn't real. That's that's the most scared. That's the most scared I was. That's nice.
2: I want to see that. film. I want to see a film with Mira Savino saying, hello, I'm Mira Savino. And what you're about to watch
1: is real. Well, you'd only have to watch the trailer. I believe that's the trailer as well. And they, looking back, there are parts, I I mean, it would never trick me now, knowing what we know about movies and stuff, but like, there's a suicide in it. Someone shoots himself and they blur it. And you're like, why would they blur it if it was, if it was like, they just show it and they blur it like out of respect for the dead. It's like pixelated. It's like, they, they did a good job
2: to me. I like that. What's the film that made you cry the most? And are you a crier? Do I need to ask? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Film is one of the ways that I cry It's one of the things I like about it Is that it helps me to cry um, Moonlight, I can't not cry the entire movie I cry the entire movie I, Without boring you I, I think that movie is has like a Divine second meaning Which is we all know that there's something that loves us And that we love it And we sort of have to like, we resist it, we become strong, Chiron becomes strong, and he puts in his grills, and he gets his gun, no one's ever going to hurt him again. And that's our personalities, we build up these personalities. But truth, in his case, that he's that he's a homosexual, truth is chasing you. God initiates it. beauty and mystery initiates it if you're called to meditation or prayer you're always seconding seconding the motion and that scene at the end where he's cooking for him that's that's love we don't have to say it's god love is seducing you. Love is cooking for you and sprinkling the cilantro on the rice. Why does that scene matter so much? Why does the film work when you never see them make love? You think it's going to end in like a a sex scene. You don't need the sex scene. The sex scene is him cooking. The sex scene is him looking at him and knowing him and touching his hand. And, and, And that is my belief, is that that truth, your truth on the psychological level and also on a cosmic level, is putting the good sheets on the bed. It wants you. It's something that wants you. It's not a tormentor. It's not going to kick you into the into hell for being who you were. It's not like that. It wants to merge with you. It wants to make love with you, basically. And that's what that movie is. So I, I lose it. But then also just on the surface level, when, when he asks what is a, I think it's the F word, he says, what does that word mean? Yeah. I'm just losing it. I'm losing it. So that movie is definitely one of them. That's a very, very, very good answer. I cry at most films. The one I remember is, and that's true. If my heart is open, I'll find something to cry at in almost any movie. But Dead Poets Society (laughs) is the first one because it was Burlington, Massachusetts, and I'm weeping at O Captain, my captain, and the woman in front of me, this birdie twat, turned around and (laughs) looked at me. With shame, mm-hmm. she gave me the shame look. Like, get a hold of yourself. And I wish oh, I had shit. her home. And I wish I had her home address, just so I could send her a vase full of dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, who shames? I must have been 11? Yeah. 12? Yeah. Her look seemed to say, "You're too young to even get this." I'm like, "This movie's about people my age. I get this better than you get it." Like, it, yeah. was, it was a rough one. I'm sorry. And Matrix Revolutions. I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so many shame visits to the cinema. It's just, it's sad. I know. What, yeah. what, is, what is the film that you love? It is not critically acclaimed. Most people don't like it. But you think those people are wrong and dumb and you hate them.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I should have looked it up. But yeah. I'm assuming the movie Lucy is not critically acclaimed.
2: I love Lucy, and you're right. Lucy is a mixed bag, and a lot. I know a lot of people that hate Lucy, and they're they're idiots and they're dumb.
1: Thank Lucy's you, great. Lucy. So what? All the side, sort of like whatever you these sidebars, these little spiritual sidebars I have. That's what that movie is. When you realize mm. that the sap in a tree is moving up, which it is, it moves against gravity. When you realize that a spring is moving up a mountain to come down the mountain, like these insane world we live in. Uh when she talks about remembering the taste of her mother's milk, you just that that movie is imbued, I'm going to say imbued again, with so much comfort and like if we knew more, we would worry less. That's like the point of that movie. And I just love watching Scarlett Johansson be so calm. You have all the fun of like a uh, like what was that um Nobody movie's like Nobody. The the ass kicking Guy who never gets shot, you know, nobody. Yeah. But you get that with, like, metaphysical sprinklings. And I think a stylized direction that is really effective. I, I, I really like that film. You get, um, do you know what, you get 10 points for that.
2: <laughs> it's, the, it's the first answer you've give, given that scored, weirdly. What is the? <laughs> what is the film that you used to love, you loved it very much and then you've watched it recently and you don't love it anymore and that might be completely personal reasons or something's changed in your life. What is that film
1: and why? I'm glad you said it could be personal reasons because I think Field of Dreams may still be a good movie. But Mm -hmm. here's what I... I just tried to rewatch it. Here's what I didn't like about it. Or what felt very 90s about it. Right. If you made a movie now about a guy who makes a baseball field and ghosts show up. When those ghosts show up, the first thing a modern 2021 audience would want to know is like, how did you get here? What? It, where were you? Where have you been? Uh, yeah. What do you think is happening? Like, how do we replicate it? Is it science? <laughs> is this a wormhole? Is there a fold in the dimensions? And in Field of Dreams... <laughs> <laughs> he builds a, a baseball field. Yeah. First of all, it doesn't show him looking up how the dimensions of That's the baseball a field. He just knows how right. to do it. We would want the, the Google scene. You're uh, right.
2: <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're missing. You're like, there's not enough admin at the start. I, this
1: I want it to you feel. Want the admin? I want some admin. Is that a real term? Um, it is now. <laughs> you want some admin. I didn't know if it was a writer's room term. I want Uh more hype of how he knew how to do it. (laughs) But in the movie, he makes the field. Then there's sort of an arbitrary waiting uh, where it's Christmas Mm -hmm. and he's literally looking out the window. And he's like, shoeless Joe, where you at, buddy? (laughs) And you'd think something might happen in his life or in him that would change, that would make the ghost show up. But it really was just waiting. Like, it was just like, just Mm. wait. Maybe that's fine. Shoeless Joe does show up. Uh, It's like one of those trailers you could cut as a horror horror trailer. Yeah. Because he built a field and then a ghost shows up. And when the ghost shows up, the wife character says, this is what she says, Brett, to the arrival of a ghost. (laughs) And even worse, as predicted from a voice. So, like... This is now confirmed as real. Your husband is communicating with the other side and there's a ghoul on your lawn. She says, I'll put on some coffee. Then he goes out and all they do is play baseball. He just starts pitching baseballs to him. And the way that the movie addresses the absurdity of what's happening is Kevin Costner, our parents, Brendan Fraser, Kevin Costner... (laughs) (laughs) Is pitching the ball and he goes, I'm pitching to shoeless Joe Jackson. That's how they address it. And all I'm saying, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm saying what makes it feel dated and what made me not enjoy it was that it's not doing what modern films do, which is when something supernatural happens, they play it for real. In this movie, they were like, look, we got to get to the better stuff. We can't have a 30 minute sequence of him being like, wait. Do you remember how you got here? Like, why are you the age you were (laughs) when you played baseball, not the age you were when you died? Like, are you frightened? (laughs) And she just goes, I'll put coffee on. She should have said, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. There's a ghost.
2: Pete Holmes, I've never done this before. I am taking away the 10 points I gave you. <laughs> oh my. Those 10 points God. are being removed. I'm very, I'm very, you know what? I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. And I'll tell you why. Because w- when you were describing it to me, it gave me shivers. And I'm shocked <gasps> that you find it this way. Because the film, what you just described to me and what I remember of it is all the divine, is all the things. The reason she says, I'll put coffee on, the reason he doesn't ask questions is because he's, had this voice, he's had this vision, he's had this thing. It's like a dream. If he if he pushes it, he might wake up and it all goes away. They're all living in this fucking divine space where it's like they believe in this thing, but they're also, are we mad to believe in this thing? And then the thing starts happening. And it's like, of course they don't poke it and ask questions because it might all go away. They might are we insane? It's like, I'll, I'll put coffee on. You go out there and you play with him. Don't it's like, don't ask questions. Like he's a baseball player and he's coming and thinking <laughs> he looks freaked out. No one knows what the fuck's going on. Let's fucking just like, keep it, keep it, keep it safe over here. It's like a dream. That's don't wake it's up. It's like a dream. If don't we, wake up. if we go, if we ask something, you're going to, you're going to go, he's going to go.
1: I uh, look, I'm not married to my opinion, because everything you said made perfect sense to me. And I'm not saying that to try and get those 10 points back. Although I would. <laughs> I also want to say that it's one of those yeah. movies that my dad likes. So I was watching it with a chip on my shoulder. So that could be it. Yeah. Well,
2: I, I'm going to. No, don't. No, you could. I'm going to give you three points back for acknowledging <laughs> that. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Listen. I don't like to be combative. I'm going go like to go.
1: I'm. You know what? Now I'm going to push back. I'm going to go put coffee on. I'm yeah. going to. Can we do it again, Brett? Can I'm the director now? Yeah. Can we just okay, do okay. one where you have a moment where you're like, and someone goes, "No, no, no, no! Don't, yeah. don't overthink it. I'm going to put yeah. coffee on." Just just, okay. just, just, go see him. Just go out there. Just go see him. A little yeah. bit of the, the holy fuck Yeah, what do, we, Feel what do, what do I do? Just, just,
2: I don't know, throw a
1: I can't, baseball, throw I a can't go out. There's a, there's a, I, I heard a voice and now there's a fucking there's a, I'm just saying that is the more modern way of shooting that same scene with the same script. It's happening in her eyes, in Amy Madigan's eyes. Amy Madigan. She's, in her
2: eyes, she's going... Fucking hell. What do I do? I'm going to put some coffee on? She's doing it. Oh, it's all there, Pete. Come on. Because <laughs> you were watching it at home. You weren't on a big screen. You watch it at the cinema. You'd be
1: like, oh, yeah, I'm here in the dream. I think you're absolutely right. I'm not just agreeing to be agreeable. I'm going to give yeah. you one worse. I watched it in the sauna. And sauna movies? I have uh, what? very low How patience. long do you sit in the sauna? Uh, Isn't it 50 minutes. So I Five-zero? Five-zero? Joined- Five zero. So I'm watching movies in two chunks. And the 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 T the, the V is in the sauna? That's what that is, that little crane thing. That's the iPad stand. Oh I see. I know. Now
2: you know I love uh, health and shit. What's the benefit of sitting in a sauna for fifty minutes?
1: I love that I get to tell you something that you don't know about yeah. fitness.
2: I do I do ice stuff. I don't do hot stuff.
1: I also well I do that and then I get into a, a cold chair, it'll get you get you nice and high. It's Proper high. What
2: what what's happening in the fifty minutes in the sauna?
1: Well, I believe it's something like six hundred calories an hour. Six. Oh, so it's like a workout where you're just sitting still. And watching a movie. And your heart, it's really hard to stay Sorry. in. Yeah. It's and it's but hard. if you can get lost in a movie, it's easier to sit there. So it's really good for your heart. It's really good for toxins, things like mercury, things you want to get out of you. Uh that's really helpful. Plus, if you're into woo-woo stuff. If you have an ailment, chances no, are someone's going to be like getting an infrared sauna. So I just get into one before anything's going on. But being really hot and then being really cold just makes me feel high. I love it.
2: So sorry we argued. That's our first argument. Uh... Uh... Tell me this: What is the film? Well, now that... I don't feel
1: safe. <laughs> no, <and> I, <laughs> I'm just I, I've never. I'm so ready. When I so when I said prefer. Field of Dreams, Val yeah. was like, "It's it's going to be controversial." she knew he's not going to like that
2: she knew he's not going to like that yeah what is the film that means the most to you not necessarily the film itself is any good but the experience you had around seeing the film that will always make it special to you
1: Pete Holmes okay I do have two answers but I'm going to give you one and then if you want the other one you can have it Uh, Mm -hmm. because I want to respect the format thank you when I was a waiter at Bennigan's which makes immediate sense if you think about my face (laughs) Like you can just see it. I was a waiter yeah. at Bennigan's. I you used to get two holidays off. I believe it was New Year's, Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day was two, and you had to work two of them, and you and you could get two of them off. So I was, uh, I asked for um, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Let's say good choices because I don't really like New Year's. Then Jim Gaffigan, who had. Uh, I had opened for him one other time. No, I hadn't opened for him ever. I had never met him. So I'm a young comedian, and Jim Gaffigan is like um, looking for an opener. And my friend Dan Kaufman, another comedian, was like, can you open for Jim Gaffigan the weekend of New Year's at the Cleveland Improv? And I was like, of course, I'm only working at – Bennegan's, I was grateful for the job. I needed the job, um, but I'm trying to become a comedian. So I said, yes. And then I called uh, Bennegan's and my manager's name was Matt Neary. And I, I think I left a message saying like, I mean, however sweet I am now, times a million, just a sweet little baby boy, <laughs> soft and clammy hand and ruddy cheeked. And I'm just calling and I'm like, hi, I'm convinced I'm going to get fired. I'm saying, I know I already had these dates off, but I need to get New Year's off as well because it was coming up. And I'm so sorry. Um, I understand. I probably was like, I understand if this doesn't work and panicking. And I left the message. And then my wife at the time, my ex wife, and I went and saw Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers. And when I tell you that the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers was about a comedian taking a weekend and thinking he was going to be fired for it. The movie Lord of the Rings, the two towers was about a comedian in Chicago who worked at Bennegan's who thought he might get fired. <laughs> Every orc was just the impending loss of financial security and my job <laughs> and what a fool I was. And the Eye of Sauron was like, you, you were giving up a stable gig to do this. You probably made $150 at the Cleveland Improv. You're going to lose money driving there. Like, it's a waste. You're an idiot. The whole movie. And I have that ticket stub. I have a frame in the house. It's the first $10 I ever made from stand-up. And in the frame, not behind the glass, but tucked in the frame, is the movie ticket for The, for the Two Towers. Uh, because it was my little Frodo's hero's journey going like, as silly as it is, and it is. Yeah, I it was is. doing something I was really scared. I thought I was going to lose my job. And he did not fire me. And that's why I thanked Matt Neary on my first album. Like, if you read the liner notes, I thank uh, Matt Neary. Because he didn't fire me. And it all worked out.
2: That's so nice, Pete Holmes. Isn't that a fun Finally one? Only a story of you going to the cinema and not feeling shame. I really liked it. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other one is Shakespeare in Love, because that's the first movie I made out with somebody. And it was me and, and the woman. First time ever. And there's boobies on the screen. And and they're and I'm making, it's, like, it's like, what is happening? It's as close. Double boobies. I was like a three way there's Gwyneth and I'm actually making out with someone here and my friend Nick and I, I I had dinner with Nick not that long ago and we laughed about this. He was sitting next to me and I heard him go, what do I do? (laughs) Like he didn't, he was so uncomfortable. There was, there was someone with Nick. He just was like, I don't know what to do because we were going at it. We were Shakespeare. That was your first there. time. First time making out in a movie, yeah. Yeah. Nice. My first date I was mean. the movie Shine. I remember that. Jeffrey Rush. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not what? as sexy. Not a sexy <laughs> film. No.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, look at him having a breakdown. Kiss me. <laughs> um,
1: what's, uh, what's the film you most relate to, Pete Holmes? This is going to make you laugh, I think, because uh, it's an absurd answer. But Brett, the mm-hmm. film I most relate to is the Bourne trilogy, and I'm going to tell you why. I love it. Do you? You don't need to. You don't need to. <laughs> you get
2: it? But you, yeah, I, I, I actually think I do. But please tell me.
1: Val was like, he's going to laugh in your face. That this like soft, amorphous, loud Hillary Swank mouth comedian is is relates to jason Bourne like matt damon peak damon kicking ass
2: peak damon yeah
1: here's here's why um because jason Bourne is a movie about uh getting away from your family it's about a lot Mm -hmm. of things but it's about getting away from your family so he is raised traumatized by the government he's traumatized by them like and i love my family they did their best and there's trauma in any childhood there's it's just heavy it's just a lot. There's grownups like Greek gods in your house. They're strange and they yell and there's weird feelings. So there's that's you getting dunked. Can you commit to this? Can you commit to this program? I can't. Dunk. I can't. Can you commit to this program? Guy even sounds like my dad. I can't. Dunk. <laughs> so he's trained. His trauma does to what a lot of people, trauma can often lead to skills. I'm a highly sensitive person. Again, I'm not trying to I love my parents. I'm only going to say that that one more time. But because they were unpredictable people, I learned to be a finely tuned instrument. I could see a fight coming a mile away, it's where I got my sense of humor, and I could divert it. I spoke dad, I spoke mom, I spoke my brother. No one else spoke anyone else. I really believe that. I was interpreting, I was keeping the peace. That's Jason Bourne going, I know I can run for 45 minutes at this altitude, I know the best place to find a gun is in the cabin of that truck. That's the result of trauma. His trauma was training, but a lot of us, our radioactive spider bite, is Suffering is some sort of feeling of being out of control, especially when you were small, right? So the rest of the movies is him trying to get away from his family as they chase him, using the skills he got from being with them to avoid them. So it's just people in a room with computers going, where is he? We got to get him. That's my mom going, why don't you call on Sunday? Why why aren't you coming home for Thanksgiving? Why aren't you coming home for Christmas? And I'm ducking. I'm doing Kung Fu. I'm trying to build boundaries. I'm trying to meet people. I'm trying to have a life of my own. And then at the Mm. end, he realizes the only way out is through. And he goes back and faces his family. He goes back to the scene of his trauma. Now having had great love, which is Marie. So he was transformed by a great love. He was loved for who he grew up to be, not who people see him as he was as a child. He's loved for who he grew up to be. And that love transforms him and empowers him to go back to his father, who is like my father, and he doesn't kill him. That's the point. He doesn't kill him. You have to forgive reality and you have to forgive your tormentors. They were doing what they thought was best or what they thought they needed to do to get love, to get security, or whatever it might be. And he doesn't kill him. That is the point. We go back to our families and we forgive them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs>
2: yes. That's what I call an ultimatum. That is very good. That is a very good answer. There's no way I was going to laugh in your face for that. all made sense to me. Good. Speaking of Pete Damon, what's the sexiest film you've ever seen, Pete Holmes?
1: I can't believe you said that because my sexiest film is a Damon film. The Martian? The Martian. I can't come without Dead Cats or Red Sand. I need one (laughs) or the other. I need one or the other. Look, here's my first answer, then we'll get to the Damon answer. And I hope you appreciate it as a a comedy man, as a comedian. I listen to this podcast, I hear people say, I hear people saying fucking on-the-nose sexy shit. And I'm just going, like, get the fuck out of here. Blue is the warmest color. Like, g- get out of here. I'm not saying that movie doesn't turn me on. I'm just saying, like, that, to me, my weird answer, and it goes back to when I was a kid, is comedy nudity. Will always have a special oh, place
2: Interesting
1: in my, in my <laughs> boners. <laughs> Here's why. Comedy needed to, yeah. Go because on. when I watch *Itumama Tambien*, I'm like, I don't have a best friend. I'm not like a good-looking, reckless-haired boy who's good at soccer and like is charming and drinks tequila and like I, I have no entry point to that. I have no entry point to *Blue Is the Warmest Color*. I I'm no one. I am no one in that movie. Show me that movie. Where's the guy that's going like, "Hello, lady." Like trying too hard Boob shadow Rubber bands on his braces <laughs> oh, v- 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 <laughs> Get the fuck out of here I didn't have a best friend like that And I certainly didn't have a three way With a gorgeous older woman That is not reality My closest way To sex and sexuality Was comedy Not only because it's how I first saw it Scrooged I think her nipples are showing Excuse me do you remember that in Scrooged? I don't remember that, but I, I'm oh, not saying you're wrong. I remember it. No, if, if it's not in <laughs> it there, it's because... Me. If it's I'm not pre- remembering it, it's been censored. It's in the third act, uh, meaning it's towards the end, and Bill Murray. So there's me. I'm not saying I'm Bill mm. Murray, but as a kid, I'm like, there's Bill Murray. And there's a beautiful woman, and they bring her up, and it's like a joke. How is this a joke? It's just Bonertown. They're going, look yeah. at her outfit. Her nipples are showing. That's the joke. Um, I'm at home going, nah, "Those are probably some of the first <laughs> boobs I ever saw in yeah. my life." Not only are they boobs, it's sort of like a strip tease. It's like kind of visible. That's like nah, like driving me crazy. Um Kentucky Fried Movie with the boobs on the shower glass. Naked Gun when he's on the on the on the, on, on the uh What's it called? He's on the ledge and he reaches over. It's not exactly an appropriate joke. It doesn't age well, but it was a buxom woman. These are are the airplane during the turbulence, just boobies run by. So for the weirdest answer, but the most honest answer is comedy nudity still has like a neural pathway in my brain where I'm like, Oh my god! Because everybody's having a good time. Like I, I can see <laughs> them like discussing the gag, and the woman's like in my fantasy is like in on it and enjoying it, and and even that feels fun to me. But I could see myself in that situation. I could be Bill Murray. I'm not a, a beautiful Latin boy playing soccer with a with a very voluptuous woman. I am like a wisecracking sort of uncomfortable guy. And comedy boobs were like the first boobs that I saw.
2: Comedy boobs is an excellent answer, Pete Holmes. I'm going to give you seven points. so You're back on ten. <laughs> all right, let's get to let's let's get to the subcategory: troubling boners, worrying wydons, film you found arousing, you weren't sure you should. Cats.
1: I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, they were all alive in that. You
1: weren't into it. <laughs> My answer is Talented Mr. Ripley. I know that's... I want to be clear. I don't think it's troubling to be gay. uh, You know what I'm saying? But like, as a straight person, watch... I think it's just incredible filmmaking where it transcends sexuality. Yeah. So when I say troubling, it might be better to say unexpected. When I watch Damon and Jude Law in the bath, sort of playing grab ass and like, they're both just greek god bodies like they're just any if they just stood still in a museum a crowd would form you know what i'm saying (laughs) so i'm watching it and every time i watch that movie val is is a real connoisseur of sexual tension and the sexual tension in that scene Mm. i relate to it and i relate to the forbidden love of it like i find that to be unexpected i don't know if it's troubling but
2: I get you. It's it's very sexy, actually. Jude Law is is fucking hot. I get it. I get I get what you're saying.
1: But Brad, it's you know what it is. It's he's catching him. He's catching Matt Damon being horny for him, being attracted to him. Yeah. And as someone who grew up in the church and was really you know sort of traumatized by that, that's how I felt my whole life. One of my jokes is I had to come out of the closet as straight because like admitting that you like boobs in the Christian world is still pretty naughty. Like, it's like, you fucking weirdo. Like, it's gross. It's like, keep that to yourself. And Damon's shame and wanting Jude Law, even though those, you know, male bodies aren't, aren't my, you know, cup of tea or whatever you want to say, the feeling of the movie, I get lost in it. And I'm like, I know what it's like to sneak a peek at somebody that you're really attracted to and you don't want them to know because I mean, that's what my whole adolescence felt like because I thought sex was so shameful.
2: But it's also really good filmmaking because you are seeing him through Matt Damon's eyes and Matt Damon is obsessed and falling in love or lust. And you are too. You are on that
1: journey. (laughs) And not to ruin it. But then when he kills him, I mean, that is, Mm. that's, it's the opposite of moonlight. It's like, he's resisting The love that's chasing him. And so many of us do that. We would rather believe bad news than good news. Pete Holmes,
2: Mm. objectively, what's the greatest film of all time? Might not be your favorite, but what is the greatest film of all time? What is your greatest? I would say Don't Look Now is arguably top three greatest films of all time. Uh, I don't necessarily want to watch it every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? But as a sort of art, the art of cinema, the pinnacle of cinema, I go. It don't get much better than don't look now. That is a fucking you know.
1: I hate to be an old person saying they don't make them like that anymore, but they don't make them like that anymore. I really, better. I just feel like you'll relate to this. The the trend in art of chasing what people want is so insane because when you go like, well, this was popular and these mm. franchises were popular. And this nostalgia is popular and this actor is popular, and this style of director, and let's put them all together in like a can't miss movie really makes my dick soft. Because you know what no one would ever say if you got, I, I mean, smart people, I mean, film loving, yeah. good people, smart people, not dum-dums, not like a focus group, like real good people. And you said, what do you want? What kind of film do you want? None of them are ever going to say well, Donald Sutherland loses a child. Yeah. Uh, not much happens. He's in Venice uh, and he's plagued yeah. by the loss. Yeah. Giving people what they don't know they want is what art should be. You didn't Preach. know. And you know how I knew what you what I didn't know I wanted it was because I'm paying attention to my dreams, I'm paying attention to my subconscious, I'm in my body, I'm listening to those cold spots in my own inner pool. I'm I, I'm having the courage to fly a kite into a black hole and I pull it back and I go, Oh my god, I think Donald Sutherland loses a child. Like instead of reverse engineering how do we give them what they already had so that we can make sure they buy it again is, is fucking shit. <laughs> it's
2: fucking shit. And it's always wrong. It's always, they, it's always like the thing that is the breakout hit at some point it happens in films and it might be a Western. And then everyone goes, Oh, we got to make a shitload of Westerns. Yeah. And then the Western dies again. And then the thing that actually is the breakout hit was not the thing you were planning. And then you right. just. It's a fucking cycle, like right. People people like to be
1: surprised.
2: They just Absolutely. don't think they do.
1: <laughs> well, there was a time, you know, I worked with Judd, and and Judd's movies were very surprising at the time. Yeah, Forty Year Old Virgin. These like low-fi, low-status yeah. anti-heroes. Like, believe it or not, younger listeners. But like before the Forty Year Old Virgin, comedies were kind of like. I had a comedy pitch about like two guys that go to a school where the ratios all fucked up. So there's 13 girls to every guy. That was an idea you would have for a movie in the 90s it yeah. You'd be like, I think that would be a good movie. <laughs> it's like Polly Shore. Run. Watch biodome. There's like, it does not age well. There's like shit in there that you're just like, that is not cool. Yeah. But that's what comedies were. It was, it was to say grab ass again. It was like, we're yeah. horny and you know it. And we're scoring and we were cool guys. And then, Apatow comes along and he's like, no, this guy's never had sex and he's a loser and or, or whatever. I'm playing with your idea mm-hmm. of loser. So then what happens after 40-year-old Virgin knocked up super bad? You start seeing Dinner for Schmucks. I'm not putting down – these are earnest people trying yeah, yeah, to make yeah, a yeah. great movie. But it was chasing a trend. I think some of them worked, but then it did start to overstay its welcome when they were trying to imitate the Apatow model. My answer, though, Brett. yes. Is uh, there will be blood, Um, and that's that's my answer. You are correct. (laughs) You are correct.
2: (laughs) You got it right. Correct. No, you're correct. You, you, I led you down a path to see where you would go, and you you picked the right film. That is absolutely right. I
1: movie is so good, and it changed. Changed my life and, and and in a country, America, that only glorifies consumerism and achievement to have a movie that skewers and shames and belittles and shines a light on what it's like when you're just cutting throats and, and taking the money and actually breaks that character um, and shows just how sad that is. What an achievement. That's giving people something they didn't know they want. You know what I mean? It tricks you. to you like, your life? Just, the, it, it got me in touch with my anger. He's so mad at Paul Dano's character, at Eli. And I was like, I think if we're being honest, when he's like, aren't you an ambassador of the Holy Spirit? Can't you heal my son? I was like, yeah, we all sort of feel that way, don't we? Like, we all have that anger this is what I'm talking about. Forgiving reality is the first forgiveness. Is like it's it is a nightmare at times. It's a, it's a beautiful and it's a nightmare and it's both. It's holding those two together. And here's a guy who just wants to win, just wants to make it make it blow gold everywhere, like. When when I can't get a minute to come back into my office and work, I hear his voice going like, if I don't get to write this screenplay, then it can't blow gold everywhere. Like, it's the voice of the untethered ego, the drive that would literally kill to not be a schmuck, to not be a loser. And but the fact that it has the honesty, it's like movies that show violence but aren't honest about the repercussions of violence aren't great aren't always great movies there's there's you know kill bill yeah. and stylized violence but I, i'm saying like real movies to me show a fault blind ambition and greed and then show the consequence of it he's alone in that yeah. sad old man sweater killing yeah. Sort of his only friend, you know, mm-hmm. like his frenemy. He murders him. He's gonna get caught this time, you know.
2: And he sits uh, like he's he sits like he's shot himself, like he's sat in a diaper, and he's all guys finished.
1: Yeah, that's like, right.
2: Come and come and come and wipe my bum. It's like that yes. sort of
1: it. The the message of that movie is to one of them is having all of your needs met or having everything you ever wanted is not the answer. And unfortunately, there's too many movies. There's too many comedians, even, where the subtext is, if you get money, you'll be okay. And I just... Anything that puts a dick in that cake is okay by me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hard,
2: hard degree. Uh, yeah, I'm giving you 500 points. That's
1: weird. <laughs> um,
2: What What's the film that you could or have watched the most over and over again?
1: I am... An obsessive movie watcher. I think we've talked about, we both love Mad Men. I've watched the whole of Mad Men way too many times. But the best answer, and I have seven or eight movies written down here, the best answer for the movie that I always want to watch, meaning I watched it a week ago and I would watch it with you this afternoon, is about Schmidt. I can't stop watching about Schmidt. I think it's perfect. I think it's funny yeah. I, and it helps me make sense a little bit of the world. Like it, it really mm. something here's what it is, man is like a lot of times I go around, you know how Thoreau said the massive men lead lives of quiet desperation. Right. Yes. That makes me sad. And that weight needs expression in art. And when I watch that movie, I go like, look, Here's an ordinary life, but it's filled with, if you look closely, everything is there. And he learns that. When he gives the toast at the end of the movie, you see that he's learned to love the imperfections, that he stopped wanting reality to be something that it's not. And he starts loving it for what it is. And it happens because of a loss My my homeboy, Richard Rohr, calls that falling upward. He falls upward. He loses his wife. I don't want to give too many spoilers. That's in the trailer, I'm sure. And he just keeps getting broken again and again and again. And to quote Leonard Cohen, it's the cracks that let the light through. At the end, he stops hoping for something else. He stops doing what's expected, and he starts waking up to what is and forgiving it. You see a man forgiving it. He forgives Mm. it, and we all motherfucking have to forgive reality, and it's for you. It's for you to forgive it. That's about Schmidt. Okay. Very good. You're so British. I'm going to make you cry. I'm going to make you cry, you (laughs) salty Brit. I heard you say you don't cry. I'm going for it. I'm actually not going for it. But you're close. I also just think it's a, a perfectly made movie.
2: Really good. What's the What is the film? We don't like to be negative, Pete. Although hmm. you tried it You tried it earlier and I didn't like it, did I? <laughs> but, no, but now.
1: It was a leading question. At,
2: it was leading, but I wasn't expecting Feel the Dreams to get dunked on and
1: not on my watch. <laughs> what's
2: the What's the film? What's the worst film
1: you've ever seen? <sighs> I'm going to I'm going to say Maybe this is a cop out because so many people don't like these movies, but the newer, any newer thing where Superman's in it, I, <laughs> I I hate it because super I I don't like that style where it's like we're not even trying to look like we're not on a green screen. There's just like blue green yeah. smoke in every scene. Um, everybody's saying what they are thinking, like mm-hmm. there's no subtext. There's no yeah. appreciation for how characters and human beings actually communicate, which is sometimes you say the opposite of what you're thinking or feeling. I mean, pay attention. You do that. Everyone does that. You say you love something and you hate it, or you say you want to do something and you don't want to do it. But in those movies, everybody's just expressing their clean, freshly faxed-in opinion, and they say it. Lois Lane is like, I'm a hothead reporter and I'm going to chase this story. And I don't care if you've never seen a woman in this position, I'm going to show you what's what. And then she does. And Superman is just not a compelling hero. He's invincible. Like we're saying, like I like wounds. I like things Mm. that remind us of the way that the universe works. And the way the universe works is it works with your wounds. It works with your wounds. And Superman loses his planet, but fuck off. You were a baby and you had a... You know what I mean? You didn't know them. You don't know Krypton. And then nothing hurts you except Kryptonite. So it's always Kryptonite. It's going to be Kryptonite. That's going to be the twist. But there was one little piece of kryptonite. Or it's going to be two super invincible people bashing into each other with no stakes. This is going to be more controversial, but I have the same problem with Harry Potter. It's magic being shot at magic. And you're like, which magic is stronger? It's just pew, 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 pew. Oh, yeah? Pew, 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 pew. And I'm like, this is stakeless. (laughs) This is the definition of nonsense. Like, I'm not saying those are bad movies, but Superman is just too impenetrable things trying to penetrate each other it's a waste of time
2: look i, I say i hate cgi I hate it unless
1: i don't notice it and then i'm impressed by it <laughs> wilson the volleyball that's a reference for val she's going to listen to this she'll know what i mean make me care about a volleyball don't make me not care about a city that's what that's the magic of cinema that's we, so true we care about tokens like we care about them we we, we again to say imbue we imbue them with meaning
2: What? No, Pete Holmes, you're in comedy. You're a comedian. You're very funny. What's the film
1: that made you laugh the most? Here's two things I'm not. I'm not a guy who gets stoned a lot and watches movies. I actually think it ruins them. And I... uh, Oh, I forget what the other one was. But... Oh, I also don't like bad movies. You know how people like bad movies? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I've seen The Room. It's fine. I prefer The Disaster Artist. I like the movie about the movie. Um, But Kung Pao, Foot Fist Way, if you're stoned... And you don't know what it is. I don't know if I... I still don't know what it is. I saw it and I still don't know what it is. Val and I watched it and I I got stoned. And I... It's so confusing and strange. You stop trying to understand it and you just let it happen that he's fighting a baby. And and you just... I just started weeping with like healing laughter. I was like, they've done it. They figured out what's funny. And it's Kung Pao Foot Fist Way. And I'm sure everybody says Borat. (laughs) That was my sober, hardest laugh was Borat in the theatres. But Kung Pao Foot Fist Way. Really good.
2: P. Holmes, you've been wonderful. Of course you have. No one expected anything less from you. (laughs) However, when you were trying to save some dead cats and you covered yourself in, in moisturizing cream body or lube and you went through a hole in the wall and you put nipple clamps on your nipples and snaps into the sides of the bed and then you got a boner and then you and as no i died the,
1: the aneurysm made me jizz yes
2: <laughs> yeah then you had an aneurysm for no good reason and then you jizzed and then you were dead and surrounded by dead cats i'm passing by with a coffin you know what? i'm like uh, i wonder what pete's up to i think he's in town doing a show oh, i think he's staying in this motel i knock on the door pete pete oh, oh he's very quiet i can't even hear cats meowing he's always got cats with him <laughs> I've knocked down the door. There you are. I'm not the first one there. There's loads and loads of press in the room. They're just taking pictures. Like, I didn't listen, I know what it looks like. I know this guy. Trust me. Trust me. He was trying to save these cats, I'm sure. This is just a terrible tragedy. Get out of here, guys. And I, I put you in the coffin, and, but I also put all the dead cats in there with you because I know that's what you'd want. Of course. I want you to enjoy coming for the rest of eternity until you press a button saying something happens.
1: And I have quarter, half dollars on my eyes and they have dimes yeah. on their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <With> giddy eyes. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, uh, yeah. And your boner is still there, which of makes course. the coffin difficult. I have to chop off your boner and put it, just mix it up with the, the dead cats. Anyway, <laughs> the coffin is absolutely packed. Boners, dead cats in you. And the nipple clamps. Cool of again. course, of course. Industrial strength.
0: I'm of not course. strong enough, and I'm
2: strong. Yeah. <laughs> Only enough room in this coffin to put one DVD into the side. Jam it in the side for you to take across to the other side. And on the other side, there is no thing. There's movie night every night. And one night, it's your movie night. What film are you taking to show everyone when it's your movie night, Pete Holmes?
1: You know, that's interesting. I think the DVD that cleans the lens. <laughs> you know, that one. <laughs> that's the little brush, and you hear it go, which. <laughs> Because I'm there to kind. help everyone watch their movies. That's very kind. <laughs> I actually, That's you know, kind. it's not the movie that I would want to show in the no thing other life uh, or whatever. But the movie that has the most um, bov or juge or like, it's just like a relic. Like I consider like a DVD of this movie to be like a holy item is the documentary Into Great Silence. You have to say it carefully because it sounds like Into Great Silence. Into Great Silence. It's where these French filmmakers had access to this monastery that they had never given access to and it is you can't watch it in my opinion especially if it's in a the theater which I've never had the pleasure but I've you know turned the lights off and did my best. It just is the feeling Of when someone reminds you that this is it. You know what I mean? It slows you down to the point where you feel like you're underwater. And there's ASMR in it. There's like cutting felt robes with big shears. And there's like making soup. And it's just like monks looking out a stone window just watching the sunrise. There's no story. There's nothing... It shows them shoveling snow. But if you see someone who's present shoveling the snow, who knows that that's all they're doing is shoveling snow. Shoveling snow is enough to convert you or help you. I don't mean convert to a religion. I mean, transform you. I mean, it's enough to make you go as I hope you are talking to me. And I hope as everyone listening, this is it. This is it. And it's enough, and it's enough. Not what am I gonna listen to after this, What? not what am I gonna eat after this, not how much sleep am I gonna get tonight, but just dropping anchor in this. And the great Eckhart Tolle says, how you feel right now is how you feel about your life. We think it's like the summary. Like We're going to do all these cool things, and at the end, we'll look at the summary, like the recap, the season recap, and go, that was a good life. Fuck that shit. It's just this. How you feel right now is how you feel about your life. And a movie like that will make you feel beautiful just washing the dishes.
2: Well, they're going to have a lovely time with you. Uh, Pete Holmes, <laughs> it is lovely being a void, looking into your void. Um, <laughs> is there anything you would like to tell people to look out for, or listen to, or watch?
1: Ted Lasso season two, um, it's sure, out now. Sure. Can Nate have an android now? Can he now that he's wicked? An android? Yeah, an android oh, telephone,
2: an android. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> of course, he has to now. Yeah now that he's bad he, he has to have a google phone yeah. um well Smallwood will be out um but i i always like to draw people listen to brett's episode of my podcast one of the best ghost stories we've ever had on the show his
2: podcast is really really brilliant if you haven't listened to it i highly recommend it
1: that's that's what i'd like to promote but specifically your episode is a great place to start because i already like you and that's a that's a fun side of you, well, you god bless you pete Holmes.
2: You've been a joy. Thank you. Thanks, man. And have a wonderful, no death. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> so that was episode 171. Hope you enjoyed it very much. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 30 minutes of chat, secrets, and video with Pete. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's lovely to read, it helps numbers, etc. It's very much appreciated. Thank you so much to Pete for doing the show. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to ACAS for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics. Lisa Lydon for the photography. Thank you all very much for listening and I hope everything is great with you all out there. Come and join me next week for another smasher of a guest. And I'm not telling you who it is, but it's a big one. So that is it for now. In the meantime, I hope you all have a lovely week and please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva Presentations at canva.com, designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbor, Maureen. Yeah, thank you.